The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. For a book that runs 2,711 pages in 63 dense volumes, the Talmud isn't exactly anyone's idea of a beach read. In fact, its very name has become an adjective, Talmudic, meaning something that's needlessly complicated. But the Talmud is filled with great and gross and funny and deep stories that teach us key life lessons. Happy Friday, everyone. I'm Michael Kovnat, and this is the Next Big Idea Daily. What was the first self-help book? Many people trace the genre back to the 1936 bestseller, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. A good book, by the way. But there's a case to be made that self-help is older than that, maybe a lot older. Writer and podcaster Liel Leibowitz finds inspiration in the collection of Hebrew writings on law and theology called The Talmud, and he shares those lessons in his new book, How the Talmud Can Change Your Life, surprisingly modern advice from a very old book. Liel is the co-host of Unorthodox, a popular Jewish podcast, as well as Tablet's daily Talmud podcast, Take One. And he joins us now to share some big ideas from his book. Hey there, I'm Liel Leibowitz, the host of Unorthodox, which, according to God and iTunes, is the universe's most popular Jewish podcast. And I'm here to tell you about the Talmud, humanity's oldest self-help book, an ancient and magnificent collection of insights, ideas, and inspirations that has something to say about, well, just about everything, from how to be a better friend, to how to keep your marriage spicy, to how to cope with grief. But before I could tell you any of these things, I'd like to tell you a story. This one's a little bit raunchy, so you may want to make sure little ears aren't listening. Ready? Here goes. Once upon a time, there was a rabbi who really loved prostitutes. He spent every free minute and every spare dime he had visiting ladies of the night, so much so that his pals came up with a nickname for him, El Azar Ben Durdaya, or El Azar Man of the Dredges of Society or El Azar, man of the dregs of society. One day, they came and told him that there was a new pro in the game, a lady who was reportedly the best at her craft, but who lived really far away and whose services cost a pretty penny. Undeterred, El Azar saved up and started walking, and when he finally got to the famed prostitute's home, he presented her with her pay, undressed, and began doing what he'd come so far to do. And then, mid-coitus, the woman let out a very loud fart. Alarmed, Elazar stopped and looked at her. But the woman wasn't embarrassed. You should know, she told him, that just as my flatulence cannot be undone, so too will you never be able to repent for your sins. This drove poor Rabiel Azar mad. He realized in one terrifying instance that she was right. Naked, he ran outside and started begging for help. 
a little bit delirious, he asked the mountains and the hills to pray for him. And when they refused, he begged the sun and the moon. When that too failed, Rabbi Al-Azhar ben Dodaya finally had his moment of epiphany. Clearly, he said, the matter depends on nothing other than myself. And so he sat down by the side of the road, put his head between his knees, and cried loudly, letting himself feel the true weight of his remorse. And a moment later, he was dead. This, however, isn't the end of Elazar's story. Because the very next moment, a voice was heard from on high, informing Elazar's friends that their prostitute-loving pal had earned himself a place in heaven. Hearing this, Elazar's friends were baffled. Really? They asked. This guy? The dude who'd spent a lifetime sinning went straight to the good place? But the wisest among the friends, Rabbi Dahanasi, was weeping. There is one who acquires his share in the world to come only after many years of toil, he said. And there is one who acquires his share in the world to come in just one moment. Why am I telling you this story? Well, in part because it's taken directly from the Talmud and it gives you a good sense of what the Talmud is actually like. For a book that runs 2,711 pages in 63 dense volumes, the Talmud isn't exactly anyone's idea of a beach read. In fact, its very name has become an adjective, Talmudic, meaning something that's needlessly complicated. But the Talmud is filled with great and gross and funny and deep stories just like this one that teach us key life lessons. And this particular story, the story of Rabbi Razar ben Dodaya, teaches us the Talmud's first and oh-so-crucial lesson. It's never too late to do the right thing. Why did the rabbis tell us that salty story about Rabbi Al-Azhar? To show us in the most earthly and earthy way possible that there is always, always, always hope for redemption. You might have squandered every opportunity you ever got. You might have hurt the ones you love. You might have made one bad life decision after another. But as long as you can see the error of your ways and summon just one moment of pure intention, of real remorse, of genuine dedication to doing better, you will be forgiven and rewarded with your happily ever after. Fun is holy. Faith, the rabbis understood, can be a tricky thing. Spend too much of your time thinking about God and heaven and a bunch of other concepts so big and so otherworldly you couldn't possibly understand them, and well, you'll miss out on a lot of great things of just being alive right now and right here on earth. And enjoying life, they argued, is very much the point. Why else would the Almighty create this amazing planet if not for us to enjoy every wonderful thing it has to offer? To that end, they perfected the concept of Hidur Mitzvah, which loosely translated means that everything you're commanded to do, you should do in the most stylish, pleasurable, and wonderful way you could possibly afford. This idea eventually led to a fight between two of the Talmud's greatest frenemies, the ancient sages Hillel and Shammai, who both lived around the time of Jesus' birth. 
Shammai was the hardcore one, a stickler for the rules, and he wanted to make sure he celebrated the Sabbath in the most spectacular fashion possible. So he would spend every day of the week looking for special things, special meats, special treats, and other delicacies to buy and save for Friday night, making sure he had the most festive feast in town. His pal, Hillel, the more lenient one, was having none of it. Sure, he said, the Sabbath is holy, but so is every minute of our very short stay here on earth. So rather than walk around and save all the best stuff for a special occasion, we should live every day as if it's a special occasion, because every day is. And we should treat ourselves to the best things our money could buy, not because we're shallow or materialistic or because we care only about accumulating more stuff, but because being surrounded by nice things, treating ourselves to a nice bag, say, or enjoying a great bottle of wine with a lovely steak dinner, better prepares both our bodies and our souls for their ultimate job, which is being mindful of and grateful for all the wonders that God created just for our pleasure. But Hillel didn't just stop there. He had other ideas, ideas of a more, shall we say, scatological nature. If you can't poop, you can't pray. So Hillel, as I mentioned a minute ago, was a very big deal. You may recognize him from his very famous saying, that which is hateful to you, do not do unto others. And so naturally, he had a lot of students who spent every day observing and admiring their great teacher. One day, the Talmud tells us, Hillel got up in the middle of a lesson and announced that he was going to perform a great mitzvah or righteous deed. This excited the students. What great deed was the famous rabbi going to do? What priceless lesson was he going to teach? Without saying a word, Hillel got up and went to the bathroom. The students, stunned, stood outside the door, listening as their teacher relieved himself. And when he came out, they were confused and maybe even a little bit mad. Rabbi, they asked, peeved, was this really a righteous deed you just did in there? Yes, Hillel answered, because otherwise my body would break down. He wasn't being cute. He was teaching his students a key philosophical lesson. There's no two of us our mind and our body. We are one, beautiful, holistic, flawed, amazing, disgusting, and absolutely sacred creation. And there's no way for us to separate our basest appetites from our loftiest aspirations. If we can't poop, we can't pray, which makes both actions holy and wholly worthy of our consideration. How should we approach our actions then? Is there some organizing principle for going through life? Yes, say the rabbis, which is why they kick off the entire Talmud with this key life lesson. Don't Netflix and chill. Okay, so the rabbis of the Talmud obviously didn't have Netflix. And from what we know about them, chilling wasn't their strong suit either. But they begin the Talmud with the following teaching. Jews, they remind us, are required to pray three times a day, morning, noon, and night. And even though the evening prayer can technically be recited at any point until the dawn of the following day, you should absolutely do it before the clock strikes midnight. Why? Well, say the rabbis, imagine the following scenario. It's late afternoon. 
You come home from work. You're dead tired because it's been a heck of a day at the office. So you grab a bite to eat, maybe a glass of wine to take the edge off. You play with the kids. You talk to your spouse. And then you tell yourself, hey, I'll just sit on this couch here for a minute or two, which is what so many of us moderns do when we Netflix and chill. And then the rabbis continue. Next thing you know, you wake up startled to discover that it's already morning and you've missed your chances to pray. So if there is something that's really important to you, the rabbis teach us, you have to make time for it. Don't say, I'll do it later. Don't leave it to chance. Make it a priority. Schedule a specific time to do it and do it before you do anything else. It's a life hack as easy as it is profound. Switch on your Google Calendar or Paper Day Planner or whatever else you use and block off at least 10 minutes every day, same time each day, please, for something that you find immensely important. I, of course, recommend studying the Talmud, but it could be meditation or spending time with a loved one or anything else that moves you and nurtures you and reminds you of what truly matters in life. The key is to make time rather than let time take you over. Thank you, Liel. And happy Hanukkah, everyone, by the way. You know, if you're looking for a good gift, Liel's book, How the Talmud Can Change Your Life, is a good one. Or a Next Big Idea Club subscription would be a good one. You can find out more about that at nextbigideaclub.com. Anyway, I hope this weekend is restorative and refreshing for you, and that you'll come back again next week when I'll have a fresh supply of big ideas for you. This week's episodes were written and produced by me, Michael Kavnat, and edited by Caleb Bissinger. The Next Big Idea Daily is part of the LinkedIn Podcast Network. We'll see you Monday.